Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. I want to invite you to support a very special Kickstarter, 1982, Greatest Geek Year Ever, from producers Mark A. Altman, Roger Lay, and Thomas Vitale. 1982, Greatest Geek Year Ever. You're probably asking why. Well, I got Darren Doctorman here with me to tell us about some of the great films. Now, I want you to guess some of the films that came out that year. I'm going to give you a, give you a hint. Still, old friend. Uh, Tron. No. God, <laughs> that was one of the films. Oh. That's not the one I'm talking about. Okay. You managed to kill just about everyone else. But like a poor marksman, you keep on missing the target. Uh, Conan the Barbarian. No, that also came out that same year. Oh, God, you've never listened to me before, Crom. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're making this really, really difficult. I don't have any quotes from Time Rider, the uh, adventures of Lyle Swan. What about this? Um, you're not a replicant. Oh. Hmm. I came across a turtle on a road. You turned it over. Okay. Uh, that's the thing. No, it's Blade <laughs> Runner. Gosh, oh, that also right. came out in 92. But the thing did come out in 1982. And as we all learned, man is the warmest place to hide. <laughs> okay. Have you ever wondered what it's like to put out fire with gasoline? I have not. Do you know what movie that's from? The great David Bowie sang the song. Oh, it's... Uh... I have no idea. Cat people. Oh, cat people. Right. Cat people. Paul Schrader's remake of cat people. 1982. Nastasia Kinski. Exactly. And, and, and John Hurd and Malcolm McDowell, who fans of this podcast may know, played Sauron. Sauron. You mean Soren. Yeah, that's who I mean. <laughs> he played Sauron, the Lord okay, of the Rings. Okay, <laughs> you, you, you know. Okay, let me, let, me, let me try a few more because you're not doing very good at this. Okay, this house has many hearts. Oh, that's uh, that has to be Star Trek too. No, that's <laughs> Poltergeist. God, I know you were a Trexpert. Well, There's I no am. Line like that in Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. I I'm pretty sure there is. It's it's when the it's when Savick comes out of the uh, turbo lift and says, "This house is clean." Okay, I got I got one last one because I don't I don't have anything from I don't have anything from. The Atomic Cafe or, or Missing. Oh, or, I have or, something from the Atomic Cafe. Duck yeah. and Cover. Duck and Cover. That's true. Very good. That also came in 1982. And I'm going to give you one last one last thing. Okay. Okay. Silver Shamrock. Silver Shamrock. Oh, uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh, it's Halloween 3, <laughs> Season of the Witch. Oh my God, Gertie could do better at this than you can. This is no, terrible. I, this is Mark. I'm, I'm is... pulling your leg. I, I knew all of these. I just wanted to have a little bit of fun because all of these movies came out in 1982, the greatest geek year ever. Indeed, they did. And if you want to learn all that is knowable in 1982 and have a great time doing it, check out our documentary on Kickstarter starting June 4th, the anniversary of Star Trek II and Poltergeist release through the end of June and support this Kickstarter. I hope you'll join me in making this really special documentary. I fell in love with the movies in 1982. I want to celebrate it. And I hope you'll help us do that by supporting 1982 Greatest Geek Year Ever with an exclusive logo from Mike Akuda. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts, and we're now the hosts of Inglorious Trexperts Briefing Room, curated audio commentaries of significant Star Trek episodes from the original series all the way through Discovery. So if you want to check out exciting, incisive audio commentaries with the writers, producers, stars, and Trexperts, you want to listen to Trexperts Briefing Room wherever you get your podcasts. That's Trexperts briefing room that's a separate feed from inglorious trexperts and you can listen to curated audio commentaries with great commentary of some of your favorite and possibly least favorite star trek episodes of all time you don't want to miss this kids give these episodes another ear
Welcome, everyone, to the Rebel and the Rogue podcast. It is a Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars podcast. So if you don't like Star Wars, I can't help you. I'm sorry. It's turn back now before it's too late. And my co-host today is Jason Tobias. How are you, my good sir? I'm doing well. If you like my pose, you can get this at uh, your local Sears, if there is a Sears that is still open. And today we have the lovely Abby McDonald on our Wanna show. Want to do my pose too? Look yes. Right. Yes. We, we, have, we have multiple yeah. poses. It's kind of like the photo booths back in the day. You get like, totally. Get We'll strike a pose and strike a pose um, on Zoom. Abby, it's great to have you on the show. You know, it's been a while since we've chatted, but you know, you are a fan of all things pop culture. Uh, you are a dedicated fan, and not only that, but you're an extremely, extremely talented young lady. So, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Break it down oh. for us. Wow, thank you. I was like, prepare to be underwhelmed. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you for the intro. And by the way, thank you for having me because that's the perfect way to end a Friday in a week. Uh, talk about Star Wars. Yeah. So, can the readers kind of digest on my background? Mm, just, yeah. yeah, tell us a little bit about you. We need tell the us viewers a little bit about at what home. You've done. Uh, who are you? What do you do? Okay. All right. So, I'll give you the cliff notes if that's not aging me too much. No mm -mm. spark notes will work too. <laughs> so, <laughs> Born in Tampa, Florida. Uh, fun fact, I'm actually an identical triplet. There's two more of me. Wow. Um, yep. We uh, grew up in Tampa, then grew up in Boston. So I still have my very sexy accent sometimes. Mm. Um, and then uh, moved to LA when we were 18. Great. We were in the music business, toured with a bunch of cool people um, like Hilary Duff and Christine, uh, Christina Milian, had a publishing deal, et cetera. Nice. I was a manager on top of it. And um, had a great time. And at 24, 25 years old, I was like, you know what? We don't want to do this anymore. Okay. <laughs> and um, I didn't have a college degree. So I was like, what am I going to do? So I started producing a comedy show um, that was actually one of Hulu's first acquisitions. It had a bunch of comedians before they launched, um, which kind of serendipitously, um, I met a guy named Brian Volkweiss. Nice. Um, over at New Wave, and um, I became a manager initially from multi-hyphenate comedians, and then I started um, started bifurcating my responsibilities with writers, and then after about five years, um, which is a great story, when Brian first met me, he asked me, um, do you really see yourself being a manager in five years? And I just like jousted with him and said, no, I'll probably have your job or I'll be at a network in five years, and five years and a week to the day, um, I ended up going to run, um, I was vice president over at Bounce TV, that's underneath scripts, and uh, I was um, over there for development and programming, and then I left um, and was SVP of another network called Urban Flix, and now I've been consulting for a bunch of different production companies and networks ever since 2020. Nice. Cliff notes, there you go, enjoy. I loved that, that was really great. That was really great. It was nice and condensed. There. It was nice and condensed, had hit all the highlights and stuff like that, it was great. Yeah. I, I'm very impressed, it was good. Uh, she's an impressive woman. I know Abby, Abby and I worked together uh, briefly for a little bit and then um, also, also through Brian Volkweiss. Brian Volkweiss talks very highly of you as well. Oh yeah, he's, um, Brian is one of the first people that actually kind of gave me the, the confidence to do what I do and he's always a straight shooter. And I got a lot of my isms uh, from Brian. So um, I give him a lot of credit. He's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Brian is a good old buddy of mine. I met Brian because I interviewed him for Den of Geek at San Diego Comic-Con for The Toys That Made Us, the mm. first season. Mm. Okay. Uh, he and I hit it off and I am now podcasting for him. I have two podcasts with Brian. He's the best. Uh, let me see if I can do a Brian impersonation. It's like, uh, that's great. He does the whole like yeah. thing <laughs> Yeah, he's he's wonderful. So he um, yeah. definitely gave me uh, my my thick skin and a lot of my uh, trajectory. He's awesome. Oh, Excellent. I didn't know that. That's great. Small world. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's the reason why he came on the podcast is because I was like, Brian. Yes. You want to talk Star Wars with me? And he's like, Oh, I guess I'll talk Star. And then he told the whole story about Vlix. Yeah. About yeah. the whole Vlix thing. And then uh, um, I'm now good buddies with his uh, producing partner. I guess his right hand man, if you will, Rich who is really cool as well. He's the one I mostly talk to because Brian's a busy, he's a big, busy guy. That's my impression of him. I'm a busy guy. Stay tuned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> making moves. He's making moves. But Abby, you're making moves. You got a lot of things happening. And yeah. Star Wars is what we're here to talk about. Yes. And Star Wars is making moves. Did you see that Dave Filoni? Dave Filoni? Yes. Yes. He was pushed up to executive creative director. 
I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I mean, I, what does that mean though? Does that mean that Kathleen Kennedy is she's still president? She's, she's still president still- of Lucasfilm. Like you've you've worked on the executive side of things, Abby. Like, what would that position entail? Do you feel at a company? You know, is it that you're now just kind of uh commanding, say, a writing room? I mean, do you are you just kind of overseeing maybe development Story. on multiple projects? Like, what do you think that creation or excuse me, that position would entail? Yeah, and again, this is just conjecture because Disney is definitely its own beast. Sure. Right. But what I would guess is, I mean, first off. Yes, the fedora. God, you know everything is derivative of the original IP, and he just knows everything. So my guess would be, and Kathleen, obviously, it's it's great to see someone like that in a position of power. Um, However, you might think people have uh, polarizing opinions on her, but I think uh, in that position, usually it's more on a macro, bigger picture. Okay, so it's publicly traded. So I think it's more checks and balances, and he's more on the ground in regard to the creative, making sure everything kind of like. I would say how Feige was back in 2008. That would be what I would guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's kind of, in a way, maybe loosely show running, if you will, kind of like making sure that storylines are kind of falling in order with things. And Yeah, I mean, he character. kind of did that with, with Favreau on Mandalorian. Um, but yeah. I think now it's he's kind of overseeing everything. And I'm not sure creatively if they're going to interweave. I mean, obviously everything is in canon, but I think he just has more say on the creative. Okay. I mean, not... Not a bad gentleman to have more I mean, say. After Wars. that last Mandalorian episode that made grown men cry, and it was glorious to watch all of that. It was on really YouTube. good. It was really good. <laughs> it was I great. mean, you could see his love for the IP even early on. He sure. had um, he had an interview where he was talking about when he met George Lucas, and I believe prior to that, Filoni was working in animation, and then he yeah. came over to talk to George, and George was like, "Hey, you know, we want to do." this, uh, this, this, uh, CGI, this 3d clone wars kind of storyline, you know, taking him in between episodes two and three and, you know, kind of showing the rise and fall of Anakin and just like, you know, more, more going on between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And you just saw how enamored he was with not only the, the prequels, which not a lot of folks can get behind the prequels for whatever their, their reasons might be, but he was, I see it. The Kenobi shirt is awesome. I'm a prequels girl. Sorry. I, I I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them. I thought they were fun. You know, I mean, I, but I love the clone wars too. And I think the clone wars help expand on the prequels so much because there are those middle chapters that you really get to see why these relationships are the way that they are. Yeah. You know, but Abby, how did you get into Star Wars? I'm interested to learn your yeah. backstory about like oh. you and Star Wars. Tell us the love story. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm trying to try to keep it light because no, no, go into depth, Abby. Don't yeah, depth. just crying in the corner. Um, no, I think it's funny because, um, <laughs> especially for what I do, everyone kind of gets into this business for a certain reason. And when I was growing up, I had a very colorful upbringing, and um, I use entertainment as a checkout. Like, I think there's an incredible space for things that are derivative of, you know, real life and, and things we have to learn. But for me, when I'm done with my day, I just want to check out. Yeah. And I, like a typical girl, I had seen um, Hayden Christensen. I'm like, well, he's pretty. Um, <laughs> so I got dragged to the movie theater. And I remember, because I had seen the original trilogy of which I loved, because obviously the, the whole setup was hope. Um, and then this one to me gave such backstory. Um, and off of that, I just kind of got obsessed. And I think anything fandom, and I think as somebody that's multicultural and that moved around a lot, there's something about having something that you can connect universally with people, mm-hmm. which I think right now we're living in an interesting time with, uh, let me be clear, I love streamers, but we don't have those water cooler conversations or the, the quotes. Like I can say like the two youths, and you guys, go, oh, my cousin Vinny. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, with, with Star Wars, it gave me something that I connect, could connect with people immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I just, yeah, I would say I was probably the time I was 16, 17. But then I really, really reconnected with it. Um, probably in my late 20s, I think at that point, there were some like personal things going on. And again, I needed that little like emotional cheese to swallow. And yeah. um I popped it on and then, you know, with the amazing thing, that's the internet. And then now all this fandom and merchandise and, and then all the books and everything, I just dove in and it kind of gave me something to really focus on outside of the, the chaos that was going on at the time. And now it's just, yeah. it's there. 
No, it's, it's so true with like, like the escapism, I think is something that everyone can get behind. You know, you do need, you do need a release from just the day-to-day -day hecticness that is constantly bombarding you, whether you're in a city like New York or you're in a place where, you know, maybe not a lot is happening. You know, this right. shows you that there is this world beyond worlds. There's, there's something happening somewhere and whether it's this whimsical journey, you can go on with characters in your mind or whatever it might be. It is. It's fantastic. Yeah, especially in 2020, when a lot of people were craving Oof. escapism and, you know, yeah. what better way to do it than in a world like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. Yeah, or, yeah like it's just totally. because those are just different worlds, different times, different places. And it just it comforts you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's therapy really. Mandalorian season two when it came out. I oh, was just yeah. like I was like, this is a it's such a bright spot. I couldn't wait for each week yep. to like yep. the next episode to come out. Yep. I'm like so good. This yeah, week so is good. rough, but we got an episode of The Mandalorian coming pretty soon. A hundred percent. Yeah. Donald is coming. Yeah. Yeah. And every single episode, I was like, yes, yes. And then it would end and I'd be like, shit, here we go. We're back to it again. But it, I it mean, is. it's ah. just, I, I think with obviously George's original vision, but realizing how many hands are go on a, on a project to get something yeah. done. I think for people that don't work in the world that we do, it's really educational because People will say, I mean, well, how, just, just go make the show. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. well, let's hold on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I think too, especially now with people talking about, you know, diversity and things like that, you know, George was way ahead of that. It was the first female that was like, I don't need to be rescued. You had Mace Windu, you had, you know, he could write for droids. Like the, to me, yeah. it really made everybody on the same page. And I think that's, I think that's why Star Wars right now is really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, and any kind of fandom. And that's why I think Filoni, again, I love seeing different points of view, but he's such a purist. I mean, there's so much in canon that we can go like, hey, let's be, you know, let's follow the storyline. We can be derivative, but we can also go off, but while still going back to what made us fall in love with it. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, 2020 for sure. Like, here's something I haven't shared with the world, so enjoy. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> I am, I am, and Jason can tell you this, uh, Bevan, I'm a little bit of a workaholic and Great. I'd nice. never gotten a panic attack before, like ever. Mm -hmm. So I started to get them and every time they would kick in, my, my guy would go, all right, Harry Potter or Star Wars? And he would just, <laughs> pop me on, and I was like, I would hear like the little chimes of Harry Potter. I'm like, we're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or Star Wars. Yeah. It, would, it always depended on what kind of attack it was. So it depended on which trilogy or sequel, but yeah, I definitely think, uh, it was a big part of 2020 for me personally. No, it's true. It's a, it's a real comforting factor to just go into these worlds and, and just like, you know, that things are going to be all right. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, we, we need, we need to be able to kind of shut off <laughs> every once in a while, whether it's 90 minutes, 120, it's a good way to step out and just yeah. be like, okay, it's all right. Come back to it in a second. Um, yeah. Abby, you said that when you started to fall in love with it, uh, did you, did you go off and like do any like expanded universe reading? Did you ever look into any of that stuff? Like prior to the Disney acquisition in 2012, correct? Is that when Disney got a hold of Star Wars? 2012? Sure. We'll say 2012. Okay. Um, but got I think it. there was there was such, such a, a, an immense amount of information that was out there from either the, the Timothy Zahn novels to like the comic books from Dark Horse. They had a whole series prior to Marvel getting the IP back. But uh, did you ever look at any expanded universe stuff? Yeah, I mean, I really love the um, the Captain Phasma book. I thought that was completely yeah. underrated. And I was hoping, you know, if we were looking for like a strong <laughs> additional, you know, villain, female character, I thought it was, she was completely underutilized. I love that. Yeah. Um, I actually um, read the Force Awakens um, book after watching the, the sequel, because there was all that Raylo stuff that was going on. Mm. And I'm like, well, if you read the book, it's, it's kind of right there. Um, but to be rigorously honest, I didn't do like a huge dive. I kind of just went in and I, I read a lot of the blogs. I watched a bunch of channels, um, yeah. got into the Clone Wars. I haven't gotten into the Bad Batch yet, um, but mine was still a little bit more just kind of a checkout. So I haven't gotten like the deep, 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 deep dive yet. Although yeah. I've got the Princess Leia book that I'm about to read too. Nice. I've heard that's really good. Yeah. I I've heard that's very, very good. The Darth Vader comic book series is also pretty good as well. Yeah. And that takes place in between A New Hope and the Empire Strikes Back. And it's like his search 
for Luke Skywalker without knowing who Luke Skywalker is yet. He's just mad that like this guy just made him look bad and mm-hmm. the is like upset with him and he's just like, I'm going to go fuck some shit up. And yeah. we're like, all right, cool. Because I don't think we saw a lot of like, we, we get a lot of Darth Vader in the original trilogy, but like, it's always nice to see Darth Vader just like tearing things apart, I feel like. Well, well I mean, that's why Rogue One, people went so crazy for oh it. Like that God. final scene of Rogue One is what people were just oh, yeah. losing their mind over. Because again, you keep hearing about this nefarious boogeyman that is out there wrecking shop. He's dressed in black. He's got the whole, you know, stereotypical kind of villain look to him. He's got this face mask that looks like a skull, you know, with his shape and design. But yet every once in a while, you're like in a new hope. You got these men sitting at a table kind of talking down to them. You're like, this guy could take these guys out in a second. Why? why, You know, nobody believes in your old ways, Lord Vader. That's not the line. I know. But you guys know what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, 2012. Sorry. Yeah. And then like, you know, he just reaches out and starts to choke him. And then Tarkin's like Vader. And he's like, okay, it's almost like Tarkin is above Vader. So you're like, well, what is the hierarchy? And the politics. Yes. You know, like you don't know. But then. You finally start to see a little bit more of him. And that's what the books really did, at least for me. I mean, there was there was some awesome moments. There was a book where Palpatine and Vader actually get marooned on a planet and they've got to take on these like crazy spider things. And it's interesting because there's so much subtext going on between Palpatine and Vader of them kind of like not liking each other. They're like, yeah, you know, the first second I get, I'm going to stab you in the back. Like that's a lot of the dialogue that you're writing through. And it's so interesting because they still understand that they need one another to escape the certain circumstances that they're in. Isn't that kind of like Hollywood? (laughs) You know, (laughs) art imitating life. Love you mean it. Let's have fun. Don't call me. Um, Art imitating life, Abby. (laughs) Life imitating art. Mm, I'll have to read that. I mean, the other one that I read too was Thrawn, which I, I thought oh, was awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He's, so, I mean, well, we, we've got the setup for that with Rosario Dawson playing Asana, uh, Ahsoka Tano and basically she's going to be on the hunt for him. And I by think the way, I was a little suspect because I just always pictured her in rent. Um, and I know she's an incredible actress, but when I saw it, I was like, okay. She, yeah. 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 She looks like the character. Oh, okay. I, I got it. it. It got spoiled for me. You know, what's amazingly enough though. And we're going to come back to this. I did not get the Luke Skywalker end of season two spoiled for me because I had to work. And I remember Victoria was oh, hitting yeah. me up and she's like, dude, do not go online. Do not go online <laughs> yeah, I was today. Like, I was like, if you go online, you're going to be so mad and so upset because you're not, you're going to thrash things apart. Like Kylo Ren. Like- here was my pitch here was my pitch for the final episode of Mandalorian. I hadn't seen it yet. And I pitched it to her. I was like, I think something's going to happen. I think that there's going to be a battle. I think Mando is going to get bested. And I think baby Grogu is going to get taken away, but we're going to meet another Jedi that is going to train Mando to go off and go after whoever took Grogu away from him. That was my pitch before even seeing the final episode. And then All when right. I saw the final episode, I was like, that's way cooler because <laughs> Luke Skywalker's back. <laughs> did you now? Here's a big question: Did you cry like a little girl? Because I know I did. You know, it, it wasn't even a crying thing. Honestly, what it was was just this feeling of like, this is awesome. Like it, it was just, it was so fucking cool. Because at first, they still the way that um, Favreau shoots it, it's still kind of nebulous and still kind of. Like, could it be Luke? Like we're, we're filming from the back, these OTS shots of like, you know, we're seeing the droid come at him and everything, but then we see like a black glove. We're like, ah, but it still could be somebody else. But then right. we see the green saber pop. I'm like, oh man, it's gotta be Luke now. And then you just keep getting further into it. And you're like, you see the, the security camera footage from like the, uh, the, the, the docking bay that they're in. And you're just like, oh dude, it's him. It's him. It's totally him. It's totally him. And yeah, I just kept especially when you excited. realize that he's going to have his own like hallway scene to uh, mirror off Vader's thing. Yeah. I actually, I actually yeah. got a little teary. Not when Luke showed up. I was excited once Luke showed up um, because um, I was a little unhappy with how the last Jedi went. And I was like, Oh cool. We get to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, Oh cool. We get to see Luke actually be a fully recognized and realized uh, Jedi that we've never seen him. We've never seen him be. Great point. Yeah. yeah. And like, we've never saw, we've never seen him really like by the end of Return of the Jedi, he throws down his saber and goes, okay, now I'm a Jedi. But then we never see him as a Jedi. Yeah. It was only in the books that you ever read about it. Yeah. You know, like 
or the comics they would expand on like when he started the new Jedi order and things like you didn't see it live action. You know, you didn't right. see him in, you know, ass kicking mode, Luke Skywalker mode. But I'll tell you where I got teary is when I got ET vibes of Gro- Grogu saying goodbye to Mando, which yeah, was very tough. similar to the it's ET tough. ending where ET has to say goodbye to Elliot. And you're like, stop, <laughs> yeah. don't take him away. And then he like, <sighs> he puts his little hand up to the, and yeah. he takes off the helmet so for good. him. And it's like, and then R2 shows up and then we're all crying because R2's there and then R2's being cute. And the baby's like, oh, I like R2. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I'm telling you right now, the smart, amazing, amazing merchandising choice to bring in baby Grogu into that show. I yeah. mean, I'm, people that didn't even know Star Wars, that mm-hmm. as much as the three of us know, we're like, oh, I love Star Wars. I love the baby Yoda thing. And I'm like, do you though? <laughs> yeah. Do you're like, that? it's Grogu. That's fine. I mean, yeah. if I were to show you my side of, of our bed, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. Like I have a fucking pillow uh-huh. and my guy's like, you know, if anybody outside of our home were to see you, I'm like, they are, they know, they know. A hundred percent. Are you guys excited about the other prequel episodic that's being shot right now? You mean the Kenobi? Uh, which one are you talking about? Or the, the there's- of Fett. There's the Book of Boba Fett. There's uh, Rangers of the New Republic, which I don't know if they're moving. That one's, that one's going away. Okay. That Rangers are going away. Um, uh, there's the Acolyte. It's a prequel to Rogue One. Is that? I forgot what it's called. Oh, no, that's that's been announced. That's been that announced. is? Oh, okay. Cassian Andor. Cass- you talking Cassian about Cassian Andor? Andor? Yeah. Yes. Cassian yeah, Andor. No, We're good with that one. That, that one We're they've good. announced. Yeah. I, I just forgot about it. Um, okay. I, I liked Cassian's character a lot. Yeah, I'm very, very curious to see um, how everything kind of transpires. I mean... You kind of touched on it, Bevan, about um, Last Jedi feelings. I'm sure you've talked about it at nauseum, but oh, we have. Oh, 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 we have. Oh, we've gone into it. Oh, with, oh, we've gone with into other it. guests. We've talked about it. Uh, we've had like a one-on-one podcast. We have. I have. I have a funny story. So I was, I was shooting a show. I was EPing it, and I had told the um, my boss, I'm like, hey, I'm letting you know. Last Jedi is coming out. I've already bought tickets. We're going to go see it. So I left set to go, to see, go it. see it. And there was a bunch of the, a bunch of the writers that were also big Star Wars fans. And I came back and they were just like, what's wrong? I'm like, well, can't get that time back. <laughs> <laughs> that was there. Like, should I see it? I'm like, mm, can't wait to miss it. Um, <laughs> but I will say like, I do like the fact, cause I, I never want to like shit on someone's creativity. Of course. Um, Obviously, Ryan Johnson is, is incredibly talented. I thought, and again, to, to go back to Filoni, I think the reason he's so incredible for the universe is he always goes back to George, which I think Kevin Smith said, you make your first movie for creativity. Once it's a hit, you make it for the fans. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think that's what's so incredibly important. And I think that's why I think The Last Jedi, um, yeah, didn't go over so well. <laughs> Well, I mean, and Ryan has been publicly outed himself by saying that he didn't make it for the fans. He made it because he just wanted to do his own version of the universe, which I think would have honestly worked if he was helming something from the beginning, middle and end of like a separate universe. Because I do like Knives Out. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but like Looper was great. Looper, Looper was a was lot of fun. So, yeah, so Brick was good. He did that. Yeah, too. he's clearly very talented. But I think when you're when you're making the middle film of a trilogy and there's no roadmap, that's where the issue is. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough when you don't have you a quote unquote per se proverbial showrunner. You know, yeah. because Lucas, even though he did not direct episodes five and six, he was still there crafting the vision he's like yeah cool you know he's he's making little nudges he's making little tweaks here and there and it's hard you know it's it's hard when the expectations are ridiculous i mean let's just be honest here i don't care who has the 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 keys to the millennium falcon you're going to be under the biggest electron microscope because you're always going to be compared to the original trilogy you're going to be compared the most, you know, the most successful recent thing. I mean, what's the old saying in Hollywood? You're only as good as the last thing you pr- you put out. That's great. Right. You know? So I loved how Taika Waititi just got in front of it. He's like, Hey, I'm about to ruin the next star Wars film when they, um, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I love you. Like I, li- I love I love him. He's I love him. He's awesome. Yeah. Do we know which one he's doing? 
he just has like a solo film. I think like it's a solo spinoff kind of but thing. But it's not, it's not a Han solo film. It's a solo. Oh, no, solo. no, no. Not a S-O-L-O yes. in Han solo. Yeah. A bottle episode or a bottle uh, movie standby, a standalone. Yeah. Just wanted um, yeah. to clarify yeah. for everyone out there that is like, wait, are we getting another solo film? I mean, they're trying to make solo two happen. There, there's I don't a, think they there's will a Twitter though. hashtag. They got the, the restore the universe. Never going to be a thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm outvoted fetch. here, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I'm outvoted here. It's not trying to make fetch happen i like solo i thought it was fun i enjoyed it personally i thought it was cool it's just tough to it's just not harrison ford man yeah you you uh you were the one i like to thank all my fan okay got it It yeah Yeah. i like to thank the one person that walked out of that going oh i'd see another one of those thanks guys i did enjoy that as everybody's throwing their cups at me go away get away you and everyone that likes spider-man 3 I oh, it was a tough watch. Too many like, villains. Nice played. Okay, all right. Thank you. Villains. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Spider Man Three is right up there with Solo. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I, I said it. That's a. That's we have tough. to have controversy on this that's podcast, tough. or else it's boring. Spider Man Three. If you really want controversy, everything. you would say Solo was with the original Justice League. Oh. 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 Yeah. Did I say a buzzword? I don't know, man. Yeah. I could, I could, yeah. Has everybody here seen the the new Justice League? The four-hour. Oh, yeah. Is this a is this a Justice League podcast? Well, we're talking pop culture here. We could talk just, some pop I'm culture. Just saying, I'm just saying, if we're going to talk about the four-hour Zack Snyder thing. We're going to need six hours. Well, oh, let's take out all the slow motion shots. All right, no, moving I, on. Here's another whisper. Here's another whisper. I enjoyed it. I was like, <laughs> if you do another podcast about it, I'll totally chime in because I have a whole, I have, a, I, have a, I have an opinion. <laughs> All right, back to Star Wars. Back to Star Wars. Okay. You hit on you hit on Carrie Fisher earlier, Abby, and you were saying that like you know George Lucas wrote this strong female character who didn't. As what's what's your favorite saying? Which one? The one where you're like, he don't need no. Oh, uh, he don't need no man's. That's the one. Yeah, that's that, that's <laughs> this is one of Victoria's favorite sayings, and I love it. When I need I'm a saying. shirt that says that. I don't need no man's. But, uh, he don't need no man's. But you you touched on it earlier about you know the character of Princess Leia that Carrie Fisher plays. And I just remember as a kid, I was a little too young to see them in the theater. So I saw them on VHS. I just remember thinking in my head, it it was just like, it was cool to see, you know, her taking control. And like, you know, even when she's in her like general Leia mode and I'm like, this is, this is awesome, man. Like, you know, I, it wasn't shocking to me. It wasn't anything like, I was like, oh, this is not how, you know, ladies are supposed to be on film. I was like, no, this is cool because she had her own agenda. Han had his own agenda. Luke had his own agenda. And right. I think this was the first time I was introduced to this in film where I had so much time to spend with characters. You know, we're talking about roughly what, seven hours when you combine four, five, and six together, where you really did get to see them kind of in their own element and dealing with their own struggles and their own conflict. And, you know, oh, you know, I want to be vulnerable here, but no, I can't really for this guy. But, you know, and this guy's trying to be too cool and suave, but he's got to kind of let down his guard. And this guy's trying to, you know, redeem his father. And I'm just like, this is really interesting, you know? So, I'm just curious, like, was that something for you as well, where you saw Leia's character? It Was this the first time you'd seen, say, for example, like a strong female protagonist? Or was or had you seen other other films like that? I had seen, like, obviously, like, you know, you watch something like Terminator, but um, I think what the two had in common was, you know, my biggest issue and as a female, if it's authentic to the story and it's unapologetic, that's where it feels the most, or, most organic. So mm-hmm. I think when I saw Princess Leia, I'm like, of course she's strong. Like from, from the moment you see her on screen to when she exits, there's she's consistent. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Even when she has her, her fling with, with Han, it's, she doesn't flip flop. And I think what we've seen over the years, or at least for me working in development, you're like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> she's moving across the country for this guy, but then all of a sudden she's strong. Like there's, for continuity purpose, I just thought, he wrote somebody that nobody could ever question. And I think when, for my job, I like when something is like, hey, it's it's in the on the page continuity wise, you know this person, she's three dimensional. And I think growing up, especially sharing a face with two other people, I was always a little bit different. And my sisters, you know, one was a little bit more um, tomboy. Uh, Bailey was a little bit more of like a girly girl. And I was like, there's gotta be like something that's kind of in the middle. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, you can be, quote unquote, a princess, but you can also kind of be, you know, uh, very strong minded, um, mm-hmm. you can be a badass, and you can also be opinionated, but you're also not off putting. Yeah. 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 
I agree. Side note, I really love your framing right now. She's like off to the side. So the Millennium Falcon is in the shot. Amazing. Being on screen for only for you, Jason, like I'm behind the camera. So you're welcome. So Abby, like, thank you so much. <laughs> get I back in frame get back in frame I, I just thought it was i thought you were doing it on purpose be like i gotta make sure that the millennium falcon and the chewbacca are in frame and i'll be off Dude. to the side <laughs> which by the way that chewbacca is has an interesting story okay okay telling. bring it a uh, girlfriend of mine named lisa her dad was the lawyer that did the original um licensing merchandise deal and that was in his office really oh, nice mm-hmm. wait he was he was at kenner he was at kenner chewy we're home I forgot where he was, but I oh, remember was the toys. I'm sorry. I'm going back to Brian at this point. Cause I learned that. I from remember Brian. Brian will know. Um, but yeah, no, she actually flew it on a plane for me. And that's like one of my favorite pieces. Yeah. Very, Adorable. Cool. Very cool. When yeah. did you start getting into merch, Abby? Cause I mean, clearly you've got an awesome space. You have a great abode for letting the pop culture and star Wars fandom flourish. Like, was yeah. it always like, did you collect the toys? Did you have the t-shirts, the lunch pails? Like what I have, so I have some of like the, um, some of it, I would say back in 2014, um, mm-hmm. I just, I had a little bit of disposable income at that point. I'm like, oh, great. Eat or get the latest toy. Um, <laughs> I would say my weakness and Jason, you've seen it on my social media. I have every piece of like her universe or, you know, hot topic or box lunch. That's my, my weakness. I have the shoes, I have jackets. <laughs> It's a problem. There's something but, about when you wear a shirt or something and, it, and people are like, oh, it, it, it always activates a conversation. So it does. Um, it does. Yeah. It's but, conversation um, started. Yeah. Like the Legos and stuff. This, this, that was, that was definitely from 2020. Dude, Legos are rad though. Uh, my, uh, one of our partners, he got his son, the death star set. Oh. <laughs> funny story. Funny story. Cause I used to be like this as a kid, like I, my cousin, him and I are huge Star Wars fans. We used to try to do like our own little stop motion Star Wars like uh, films with like the little three and three quarter inch figures. They needed some work. But you know what? Everybody starts somewhere. So I used to not be, I, I wouldn't share. Like I would be like, well, these are mine and, and don't touch them because the arms will get floppy. Like that's how annoying I was as a kid because I thought my toys arms. Would as a kid? I'm just giving you a hard time. Hey, look, look, it might have been last week that we did this. Okay. Don't judge. It was last hey, week. But no, I mean, it's, I think it's great that you participate in this because I do as well. I collect the Black Series figures. I also am a big fan of the Force Effects lightsabers as well. 226. 26. 226 six inch Black Series Star Wars figures. That's a lot of figures. That's a lot of figures. Um, because on quarters. Yeah. 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 It, because it, wow. I think it's just, it's an expression of not only enjoying what the story means, but I love the, I, I love the design, the art behind it. I'm, I'm a big fan of craftsmanship. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you design a car, if you design furniture, if, I can appreciate that as an artist, that it takes time to make everything and yep. everything that, that, that gets mass produced. Like there was a mold that, that was first created and there was a drawing that showed how it was built. And I just, I love that stuff. And with Star Wars, there is so much merch out there from, you know, uh, like I was saying, the lunch pails. I used to love the lunch pails back in the day. The, with like the raised bubble lunch pail with yeah. like, you yeah, know, Luke inside of Jabba's chamber and, you know, Han and, and uh, Chewie in the Millennium Falcon's cockpit for the Empire Strikes Back one. I didn't have the, a new hope one. That was, that was too early, but just cool, man. Just but cool you could stuff. find it on Amazon. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you could find. I mean, I do have the, uh, the, dark web. the 1977 Drew Struzan style D style poster. I have wow. that frame. All right. I love okay. that. Intense. I love that. <laughs> do, you, do you collect stuff? Do you like a whole thing or no? Um, so my collection is normally like t-shirts and uh, jewelry. So, and, um, and rugs, actually, I have a Star Wars rug. I walked right onto it and I didn't notice it. Was I didn't there. notice it. It was like, I was like, what is the one thing in here? I'm really excited. Cause I just moved in here <laughs> and he, he was standing on it for like a good five minutes looking everywhere, but down. And I yeah. was just like, I was waiting and he's just like, I don't know. Is it, is it the little mermaid sketch? I was like, Nope, you've seen that already. He's like, is it the beauty and the beast sketch? I was like, Nope, you've also seen that already. And he's like, I don't. Finally figured it out right under my feet. Yep. And he's like, oh, did you draw this? It's like, no, I I didn't know. You never know. People get crafty. It's been a year of in your apartment. People have picked up knitting. People are baking stuff now. Who knows? I guess I met. He thought I made rugs. (laughs) (laughs) 
like what you never know no you, you never know i'm very like geek chic in the sense of like i follow companies like rock love jewelry lounge fly uh, yep. what's your passion jewelry which does a lot of marvel uh officially licensed jewelry and they're like expensive pieces they're like right. 200 you know they're sterling silver and stuff like that um so i i cut i wear my fandom in a geek chic way because i want to look look mature and adult like but also i have like regular t-shirts as well i just showed him a batman t-shirt that i was like this is mine it's pretty cool it's like a gungam style batman <laughs> nice. nice speaking of t-shirts abby we see you have a kenobi shirt on there are you pumped for the new show that is currently filming i am i'm very very excited yeah, I'm very excited yeah, me for too. Kenobi. Because I mean, we're it's taking place between episodes three and four. Yep. That's what we do know so yep. far. Uh, we do know that Hayden Christensen has signed back on to reprise his role. A um, Darth Vader. But what is it? What do you what do you guys think it's going to be like? Do you think it's going to be a Force vision, or do you think that Obi Wan and Vader are going to actually physically meet up? Um, Abby, you go first. No, no, I'm 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 the. You're thinking? Yeah, it's a good question. I haven't even thought that. I mean, if they're going to be canon and if we're going off of the line in New Hope where he's like, I sense something, something I've not felt since dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. leads me to believe that it's not going to, it might actually be like two separate side quest things where they're, they may not interact as much because of the fact of that line in New Hope. So, But that makes me wonder, mm -hmm. they never mm -hmm. specified how long it's been since he's felt it. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, okay, it's, so like, how are they going to normal? How are they going to utilize that timeline of that one line in a new hope? There's another line. I'll throw you guys way too. noodle this one a little bit. Okay. There's a line in return of the Jedi when Luke is captured and he's brought over to the base on Endor and Vader is holding Luke's saber, his newly constructed saber. And he says, you know, Luke leans on the railing and he's telling him how he feels a conflict in him and all this and that. And then Vader's looking down at the saber and he says, Obi-Wan once thought like you did. Now that line, that line right there is hearkening back to a conversation that we don't know. This was never shown on camera. This was never touched on in the novelizations by Alan Dean Foster. This is just like, okay, so if, if Obi-Wan once thought like you did, well, that means that maybe they had a conversation vader and ben had a conversation at one point we just don't know when this conversation happened you sure that didn't happen in the prequels nope did not happen in the prequels because that is the main line that a lot of people were starting to lose their minds over uh, when right they were right. like oh my god if hayden christensen is coming back that means that there's either got to be a either a force vision of some kind where vader and obi-wan meet which would be okay but let's just be honest we want to see these guys clash one more time in person right. Sure, we that do. That would be awesome. I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen, but I don't know if it'll be a season one thing, like the end of the season one thing. It's or only going to be uh, six episodes. It's that they're not going to make a season two? Nope. It's just going to be a short one-off. Then it's the last. I'm calling it right now. It's the last episode. Well, yeah. I mean, if it opens up with that, I'm like, dude, this show cannot get any cooler. <laughs> right. You know, the pilot is Vader and Ben fighting. I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm done with 2021. We can just go to 2022 <laughs> now. But Abby, what, what's your thought? Mm. I think I'm going to have to, I, I don't know if it's a limited run series. Yeah, I just guess, six episodes. Yeah, but I'm curious because obviously they've got it all like mapped out. So I'm going to have to go with, with Bevan on this one. I think at the end, it'll be the last episode. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, haven't, I literally I have not, I haven't thought about it. So I'm a little on the spot. You know what I hope that they actually do? And we've had a podcast episode about this. I, I hope they go into some of the random force stuff that is shown in other films that I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, how does this work? How does flying through space like oh. a nun work? Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> wait, you're talking about the Mary Poppins moment. I'm Leia? talking about like, and then yeah, also yeah. like Ray, like heals, like, oh, I transferred my energy to this animal, but nowhere in the Clone Wars, Wars did we ever see. Yeah, it's tough. Kenobi and, or Anakin do that. And they're, and you know, Anakin's supposed to be the most powerful one, right? I swore she was going to be Kenobi. I'm like, she's got a British accent. She can already talk yeah. to Roy. I, I put all my money on the farm. I'm like, yep, she's Kenobi. I thought, yeah, you know, I was, I was even leaning towards like the nobody thing that Brian Johnson set up in episode eight of like her. She's just, she's just who she is. She is not a descendant of a Kenobi, a, a Palpatine, a, a Skywalker. She is just 
a force sensitive person that is extremely powerful. Yeah. Except that the buildup, I even bought in for a little bit. I know, but again, you you're going through like, this is a trilogy, right? And they made this whole big deal in the first movie of like, who is she? And like, well, who is directing? We have mystery box JJ Abrams directing, and he loves to, to leave these kind of like untied little bows of like you right, figure you it out now. But you can't you like set up now. like oh she's somebody super important, and then the second movie you're like actually you're nobody. I totally and agree. I think, I think also the way that Snoke had such a, a personal vendetta, and he was like so personally yeah. invested. You knew there was history with somebody because it wasn't. Perfect. I know it's about power, et cetera, but it was like he turned out to be nobody, and you're like, well, that's boring. Well, it, well isn't it? Isn't it from the um, Rise of Skywalker novelization? He's a failed clone of Palpatine. But I think that was yeah, that was in the Rise of Skywalker movie, I believe. Like they just put in. I don't know. It was haphazard. I mean, the, I thought he was just a puppet for Palpatine that he was essentially controlling him because he was a failed. No, he was. Clone. He's definitely lap built. You could see that with all the fake. I thought those were scars from some kind of encounter that we were going to learn about in a TV show or in a comic or in a video game or some ancillary material. Set up an adult coloring book for therapy. I'm going to figure out what snow colors. I would do as as an adult. I would color that in. I'd be like, I need to know this story. I need to know what this is. That's fair. Now, Uh, Abby, the Lego uh, Millennium Falcon back there is amazing. Hours to complete or days to complete. So I'm going to be fully transparent. I, I said I EP'd it. I, I bought it and <laughs> oh gave it to my, uh, my lovely guy. And it took him, I remember I sent it to a couple of people and they were like, you're literally like starting with the hardest one. And he was done in two days. Two days. Was he done in two days? Really? All right. Yeah. All right. It's like 7,500 pieces and all the intricacies inside is bananas. How, yeah, dude, wait. it's pretty awesome. So if you pick it up, does it fall apart easily or like, or is it yeah, pretty sturdy? You can see like the size of it. Oh God, I'm yeah. nervous. I'm not gonna do that. No, I'm <laughs> not on the couch later. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's got a way of picking it up. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really sturdy. But I would say like the um, if you call it at at or at um, at however you want to call it, that and Mose Isley actually are my favorites. Um, and those are I can pick that up. I think. No, we're not gonna do that either. <laughs> no, let's not say I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> Um, I was just curious because I've never seen anybody. I've wait. I saw one gag where Harrison Ford was getting interviewed, and like one of the uh, executive producers came out with his Millennium Falcon, and he was like, "Could you sign it for me?" And I think it was with Conan or something like that. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, and, he dropped- and he dropped it, and it broke apart. And the producer was like, "And Harrison just picked up a pen. He's like, yeah, a pen.' And he just picked up a piece, signed it, okay. like." Enjoy. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> like, oh, you know what? Going off the Harrison Ford signing thing. So um, I, have to, I have to tell you guys like a fanboy moment, uh, like a pretty hardcore fanboy moment. So um, I made this short film um, called Star Wars Generations that won with Disney Lucasfilm over in Star Wars Celebration in London in 2016. You can watch it on StarWars.com. Um, that's my shameless plug for it. But uh, <laughs> I was also invited to the Rogue One world premiere after the film was up there. And I got an opportunity to meet Gareth Edwards, who did Rogue One. And he said he really enjoyed the film. And I was like, dude, that's pretty awesome. So I would love for you to share. Have you had any like fangirl moments, Abby? Like, have you met anybody in the Star Wars world being such a fan? Like, did you ever run into anyone? Oh, God. I've, I've actually met like a few of the writers. Like, uh, so for me, it's like, as far as on camera, um, I met Carrie Fisher for a second at the roast. How was that? Oh man. I turned into like Jennifer Gray in uh, Dirty Dancing. I carried a watermelon. Like, I didn't know what to say. I was uh, I have a watermelon. <laughs> I literally was just like, hey, it's nice to meet you. I'm a big fan. And then that was it. That's all I could like get out. Yeah. Um, but no, she was very present and like looked you in the eye, like super lovely. Um, and I could tell that she had some, uh, she's definitely full of piss and vinegar. She was like down yeah. for the cause. I think that was the night that um, Andy Dick licked her face and then she licked his face back. It was really fun. Awesome, oh, that's awesome. Man. Yeah, I think it's the only God. one I have. Sorry, sorry. I was, I was just thinking in my head. I mean, Carrie was just so much fun, like even out of playing Princess Leia. And I never read the book, but you I said did. the book was fantastic. Yeah, I read uh, The Princess Diarist, where she talks about the affair that she had with Harrison Ford in the first film. 
Mm. Oh, I have to read that. It's it's I I understood why she why she did it because I think she just knew Hollywood so well of like it's gonna come out eventually so it might as well come out by me right anything else and also it had been so much time had passed at that point that and Harrison was already in like his second marriage and because Harrison was married in the first during the first film and it was a very bad marriage and so he was technically cheating on his first wife with Carrie Fisher um, at the time. Um, when that happened. And I think Carrie was just like, if I don't do it, then well, somebody, somebody else will. And then they'll just say it wrong. Right. Um, which is why I think I kind of really respect that. And then when you like, when we came out and people were talking about, it, we were like, well, no shit. Like, obviously this happened. They had great <laughs> right. chemistry on camera. Yeah. I think uh, she was 19 and he was 35. Right. So I also 32. think at the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of like, you know, a little bit young. Robin the cradle, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Harrison. Uh, but dude, the, the chemistry was there. I mean, it was right. totally there. It was totally viable. And that that was something that um, I know this has come up even in conversations past with like Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman. Some people are like, yeah, you know, the, the, the chemistry didn't feel like it was totally there. Victoria is not. I mean, comparatively speaking to what Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher had. Yeah, I mean, it was, they were on fire. They were just on fire. You're like, oh yeah, they're in love. Or, or it's like that forbidden love, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, I don't want to give in to you. You don't want to give in to me. I get it, but come I here. Mean, us ladies also know too, you really like somebody when you're arguing with them. Like oh. just when you're like- Is that so? Yeah, that's Is true. That come here, go so. away game? No, please, no, no. I don't like you. Go away, but wait, come back, come back. Yeah, exactly. Go away, go away. But you can come, wait, come back. I'm not oh. done. <laughs> Tell you what. Tell you what, ladies. I'm telling you, it's yeah, it's but you get it, you know. That was 100%. a good scene on Echo Base in Empire Strikes Back when he's just like, you know, oh, it was hot. My hands, my hands are dirty. My hands are dirty too. Oh yeah, I was like, hot. oh, <laughs> I was like, dude, that was good, Harrison. <laughs> was good. I was like, if that's off the cuff, dude, that is good. Yeah, I know. That is uh, good. right there. Great. I mean, again, I don't want to be disparaging to Hayden Christensen because I saw him in stuff afterwards where he was fantastic as he's an actor. Great. He, he's a great actor. I loved him in Glass House. That, that was oh, a film yeah. where I saw him. And, and I'm what like, was the other one with um, Jessica Alba called Awake? Yep. And then the one he did with his uh, ex-wife, uh, Rachel Bilson, called uh, Jumper. But I remember watching him and I'm like, he's got the emotional range of like Stephen Hawking, like now. Um, and I just, the two of them on, on screen just didn't necessarily, I didn't, I didn't believe them even after they kissed and everything. I think that goes back to the importance of chemistry reads. Like I just, I actually just actually wondered if anybody did a chemistry read with the two of them or did they just cast them for what they looked like? It's like, oh, this kind of looks like a mesh between Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. We'll just kind of make this work. Yeah, I mean, coming from the world of development, Abby, I mean, you know how important it is when you're even building a cast or ensemble to make sure that, I mean, you do your fucking best. You do your best to try to put the best pieces out there. It's like, you know, building a team. You're like, I think yeah. the team can be the best team to win. Let me put this team out there. But it really is something that until you see it, it's just like, does it work? Ah, doesn't work. You just don't know. Just- yeah. And there is something to be said, like anybody can have a great read, have a great chemistry read, but there is something about the other like 22 hours of the day, how they are as a person too. So like, I always like to be in the same room see how they interact with everybody. Cause that's actually a really good read on how they're going to be able to make adjustments on set. Oh yeah. yeah. And I think what's interesting now is as new programs come out that were cast and filmed during COVID where they couldn't do those intricate um, uh, chemistry reads, what we're going to see in regard to some of these ensemble casts that are coming out. Cause I think we may see some shifts after the next 18 to 24 months on things. Cause yeah. Can't really get the best work on a zoom. I don't know if you've taken any auditions, Jason, but that, that oh, can't be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Abby, to date, I haven't done one in-person audition. I've shot two films in this time and everything was based off of decisions that were done via Zoom. You know, so, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work in this period as we've gone through this. Uh, my auditioning picked up a lot in November of last year, but yeah. that was just because that was prior to the white papers finally starting to work their way down from like July and um, August. And then like productions really started, starting to understand like what the protocol was, because before right. that, nobody really knew that like, shit, how do we move forward? How right. often do we test? What are zones A, B and C? Like, what, what do you do? Yeah. But yeah, it is. It's, 
it's a very kind of impersonal process because I, for one, enjoy being in the room because you can get a read off of other people as well. Because if a director is giving you a redirect or even, you know, producers or writers are watching you, you can get a feel for what they're looking for as well. Like you can make a, a turn and say, you know, your delivery could be one way. And then you're just picking up someone's energy of like, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll tone this down. Maybe I'll come back to this. Yeah. And I think also whoever makes the decisions. And again, this could be um, just from my experience, it's so important to have the writers in the room too, because they're the ones that are writing these three dimensional characters. And yeah. I think I'm curious. I mean, obviously George wrote it, but I'm curious who else was in that room. Cause I'm also seeing a lot of things being cast where the writer's not allowed in the session. It's just the executive and the executive that's covering it might not have been involved in the development process. Which yeah. I think yeah. It's really helpful to create. I mean, I'm sure you know it well, you know, there's, there's creatives and then sometimes the, it gets passed to another, goes up the ladder. And then after that, sometimes you're just, you're not involved uh, after that, after that point. And I agree hundred percent. The writer is thinking these voices, leading these characters down this journey. And of course there's a lot of hands. Film and television is extremely collaborative. It's extremely collaborative, but you know, to have that just to at least have that maybe extra set of eyes in there of like, Hey, maybe they see something and maybe they can provide some insight and feedback. Yeah. It's very important. Right. Abby, what are you working on right now? What's up next for you? Um, I have that a, you can uh, talk about that. You can, that you legally can talk, about. talk about legally. I am. So currently I can kind of give you like the blueprint I'm work. I'm developing 10 episodics right now. Nice. Mm, awesome. Yeah. Uh, two are derivative of actual real life events Four are um, comedy I nice. really wish I could talk about them. They're so funny. Um, and then I still have, which is what's been really nice is at the both networks I worked at previously. And then as I'm consulting, I still have seven clients that are actually on series. So one um, awesome. is coming out in a big franchise. Nice. Um, Very and cool. then another one um, is coming out in a new series with Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. Um, nice. I've heard of them. I've heard of them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Cool names. So I'll be able to say who that name is at some point. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of uh, toggling between the two, but right now it's kind of all over the place. And um, it's been interesting because right now I'm just trying to find really unique voices, um, especially with the new mandate for people we haven't heard or, or um, seen before. So it's a lot of meetings on Zoom yeah. and a lot of, of covering a bunch of different scripts. But the comedies right now that I'm working on, I'm really excited about because they're universal comedies, nice. um, especially with streaming going um, international. We know comedy doesn't translate as well. Um, but I think these four in particular, they speak to, it's another way to check out because there's gotcha. not a lot of political views in it, not a lot of, uh, social commentary because we know it's going to change in the next little bit. So I think, uh, I'm very, very excited about it. I would say tonally it's like the office, but really edgy. Okay. Nice. I like that. All right, Abby, I ask this to all of our amazing guests. Yeah. Okay. This is something that I, I always enjoy talking about, mm-hmm. but for you, you've got the keys to the castle. You can greenlit. You've been, you've been greenlit. Okay. What is the project that you do in the Star Wars universe? Is it a series? Is it a film? And what is it about? Like your oh, dream project? Ooh, good question. hundred uh, percent would be episodic. I prefer episodic as you can dive deeper into the stories. Yeah. Um, I think that's where it's a little bit challenging um, doing a film because a lot of people the mistake is you think that your viewer can surmise the backstory. And I, I like to, to blow that out, which mm. opens up um, opportunity for other spinoffs and, and more um, seasons. Which story would I do? Ooh, great question. Um, I mean. Um, and you can go anywhere with it. I like, mean, literally the two guys, the Wills, um, the two Asian gentlemen from. Sure, Rome, Emily and Baze Malbus. Yes, I, I find their dynamic completely fascinating. Um, and I did a little bit of research into that. And I find that's something that hasn't been tapped. Mm-hmm. And I think also they have this interesting, you know, um, backstory as far as culture. But I think for viewers, when you saw them talking, you're like, wow, we, they're not uh, stereotypical. So I think for me, I would definitely dive into that. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I, that and then any excuse to work with Alan Tudyk. So I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Great, Literally, I could like just stand there and yell at me. It's fine. It's it could go. Um, yeah, huge Alan Tudyk fan. I loved him as K two S O. I loved him. That's I, awesome. Have you seen him in Doom? Have you seen him in, uh, Doom Patrol? No, no, no. But he's in another another show for. Uh, it's called uh, Resident Alien. Alien. Resident Alien. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. 
Uh, she, yeah, she's see her it. face. She was just like, "Are you kidding she's me like, right yeah, now? Yeah, you can you you yeah. actually asked me that question, yeah. didn't you?" Yeah. Yeah. Doom Patrol, I think, would be right up your alley. It's um, it's a DC property, um, but um, he's the villain in it, and it's so irreverent. Like, nice. I I highly recommend that show. I know it's not okay. Star Wars. All right, All right. Right. there you go. Great. Abby, where can we find you on the social webs? Yeah. Do you want people to get a hold of you? Like what handles social media? Follow you, you yeah. Know. Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. I'm never on Facebook anymore. Um, and okay. I don't have a Twitter. I've got um, an Instagram. It's at Abby Max, A-B-B-E-Y-M-A-C-S. Um, it is private. I do have to let people in, but um, yeah, totally. But I don't take pictures. That's fine. Cool. You heard that, just, everybody. Just no pitching. Just show like you attempting to lift it up in front of your man to see how, and just get his reaction. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it'll go viral. Yeah, seriously. So, I just wait. picture like this video of you holding it, Abby, and then like it splits in two in the pieces and you just have the space like, looks like a couple more days, it's huh? It's so funny because he's six foot four and I'm five foot two. So it looks like a regular size toy to him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's where you can find me. That's fantastic. Abby, thank you so much for yeah, coming you. on. Really appreciate it. It's always lovely seeing you. It's fantastic to hear what you've got happening. And uh, thank you again. No, thank you. And I appreciate the time. And uh, stop hiding cool chicks for me to hang out with. So, oh, right. right. Okay. Right. All right. I'm going to tell that this whole episode. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Abby. We'll talk to you next time on The Rebel and the Rogue Star Wars. Not the but Star Wars podcast. This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.